classic literature like Swiss Family Robinson and Robinson Crusoe to long-running comedies like Gilligan's Island to modern movies like Castaway, there's always been a certain fascination with the scenario of people being stranded somewhere through no fault of their own, lost in a place where their surroundings are full of danger and uncertainty, lost in a place where every single day is preoccupied with two all-consuming passions. I must survive, and I must find a way to be rescued. Paul said it this way, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. There are many people that don't understand the gospel. It's hidden to them. They've ignored it. They don't understand it. They've never heard it. And so they're lost. We use the verb, we use the word lost as a verb in a thousand casual ways every single day. I lost my keys. He lost his job. She lost her temper. They lost the game. We lost the contract. That's the verb lost. But we use the adjective lost even more. We describe what it means and how it feels to be lost. An, a lost child. A lost pen. Something that's gone from our possession. Something that's wasted. Lost youth. Something that's no longer remembered or practiced. A lost art. Something that's squandered. A lost opportunity. Something that can't be won. A lost battle. So over and over, we even, when we're bewildered or confused, we say, I'm, I'm lost. But the worst of all, brothers and sisters, is a lost soul. Something that is right now beyond the reach of redemption. A lost soul. I hope that last definition haunts us. It should because... Either you are lost or you know somebody who is. Not on an island somewhere. They're lost for eternity right now. And that's why the mission of Jesus Christ, our Savior, and the Lord that we've been worshiping so beautifully and powerfully this morning, his mission was this. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. I'm so grateful that Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. That was his mission. He talked about it constantly. He wouldn't stop talking about it. In Luke chapter 15, in your Bible, a very familiar chapter, a very famous chapter, Jesus told a trio, a trilogy of stories about a lost sheep and a lost coin and a lost son. Also, people could grasp just how eternally important this is. And I won't take the time for all of that this morning. We don't have the time, probably. But here's the first of the story. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it? And when he hath found it, he lays it on his shoulders and he rejoices. 
And when he comes home, he calls all of his friends and all of his neighbors, and he says unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. And then Jesus gives the punchline, and he repeats it more than once in this chapter, in this trilogy of stories. He says, I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth, more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. I'm so grateful to be in church this morning. I'm so thankful to be among people that love the Lord and want to worship Him. I'm so grateful for His presence, and I'm so thankful for your presence. But heaven gets more joy out of one sinner bowing their knee or bowing their head or saying a prayer or initiating a relationship with Jesus than over all of us doing everything we've been doing for the last half hour. Please don't be offended at that. That's how eternally and important it is to not be lost and to be saved. To not be lost and to be found. It's not that God doesn't love your worship. He was here among us in a demonstrable way this morning. You could feel the touch of his presence in this room. He loves everything you did. He received your worship today. And he touched many of us already in this service. And I'm forever grateful. It's not because he doesn't appreciate what we're doing. It's because there's a task far greater than just gathering together one more Sunday for those of us that are already saved, already have our ticket for heaven. We're already born again of the water and the spirit. We're already saved and sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, water baptized. We've got hope and we've got hope overflowing. We've got joy unspeakable and full of glory. We've got it all. We are a blessed and privileged people. So it's not that God God doesn't appreciate what we've gathered here to do this morning. It's that this is not an end in itself. This is a springboard to charge us up, fill us up, lift us up, so we can go out there and do what really matters. And that's reaching the lost. Do you know why Jesus told these three stories? He told them because a group of religious people were upset that Jesus was trying to relate to sinners. They weren't concerned that others were lost. They were only concerned that they were no longer the center of Jesus' attention. The Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. They were angry with Jesus because Jesus didn't make them his sole focus. They thought he should have. After all, they were the good guys. They were the religious people. They had their act together, so they thought. And Jesus should have been obligated to them to just kind of meet their need and soothe their emotions and, you know, just kind of be there for them and, and, and be at their beck and call. And unfortunately, there's still a few of their descendants kicking around today. And they think that's what church is about. It's about meeting my needs and, you know, one kind of angry person walked out of a church service one day and said, I didn't enjoy that worship. And the pastor wisely said, well, good, it wasn't for you. It was for him. On that day when he told this trio of stories, Jesus was trying to teach them something very important. You can have 
outrage against our culture, against sinners, against the world. You can have outrage or you can have outreach, but you can't have both. You can allow the wandering sheep to die because of its own stupidity, or you can inconvenience the 99 and go out after it. You can ignore the missing coin because one out of ten is an acceptable percentage of attrition, or you can turn the house upside down until you recover it. You can write off the runaway son because you're repulsed by his rebellion, or you can spend every waking moment praying and hoping and working for his return. I don't think there's ever been a more important era to say it. You can have outrage or you can have outreach, but you can't have both. It's embarrassing to me that some Christians have taken to social media to pick a side on every kind of issue. I believe in morality from the top of my head to the sole of my feet. But if you were attacking people on social media and naming all kinds of groups and that's your representation of Jesus Christ to this world, I'm ashamed of you. I'm so glad I'm not the pastor right now. Because he'll have to clean this up after I'm done. You can pick all kinds of sides in all of the debate that's going on now about everything from mandates to vaccine to COVID-19 restrictions. And you can get strident and you can have your locked-in opinion and you are the only one that's right and you are the expert of all the experts and you know more than the scientists and the politicians and the preachers. You know it all. And we can tell because we read your Facebook page too. You can have outrage or you can have outreach, but you can't have both. You pick your side and you alienate the other side. And Jesus didn't call us to reach one side of the aisle or one side of the government or one side of the country or one little group or a group that sees things just like you. Jesus came for the whole world. He came to reach the lost. And if they're lost, you owe them a debt of gratitude, a debt of kindness and a debt of respect. You owe them a debt because Jesus paid your debt. I'll be calm for a minute. There are many verses in the Bible comparing humanity to sheep. The Bible talks about sheep that have no shepherd. The Bible says, the Lord is my shepherd. I'm so grateful. The Bible calls us the sheep of his pasture and says he'll feed his flock like a shepherd. The Bible tells us all we like sheep have gone astray. The Bible says, woe to those who scatter the sheep. The Bible talks about sheep scattered because there is no shepherd and sheep wandering through all the mountains and the promise of God through the prophet Ezekiel, I will search for my sheep and I will seek them out. Jesus said it in John 10 verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep, even wayward ones. 
even wandering ones, even rebellious ones, even stupid ones, even messed up ones, even destroyed ones. You may feel different. You may have entrenched your attitude and locked in your opinion so much that you look at people in this world with a thinly veiled veneer of disgust and disdain, but not Jesus. When he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and they were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. If you're one minuscule little piece of gratitude moved by the fact that you now have a shepherd, then you owe it to him to get on his team of seeking and saving the lost. Sheep have a habit, a bad habit of getting lost. And they never seem to be able to find their way back home. Yeah, they're just like us. They have to be sought and found and brought back sometimes time after time after time. Yeah, they're just like us. They are pitiful when they are lost because they can't really defend themselves. Yes, they are definitely just like us. They are lost just like we were. Peter wrote, the day of Pentecost preacher, you may love his Pentecost sermon because you think he told it like it is. Well, He'll tell it like it is right here. For you were as sheep going astray, but thank God you are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. Peter said, I'm so grateful that when I denied the Lord, he didn't write me off and kick me out, but he reached for me. He restored me and redeemed me. Quite often... And for a variety of reasons, churches become kind of like a sheepfold. They're places that are comfortable and familiar and safe. And sometimes we make the error in assuming that this is the sum total of the shepherd's job to keep us comfortable and to meet our needs and to protect us from any and all harm. But when you think that, when you lapse into that kind of attitude about church, about serving God, about his kingdom, you have not taken into account the heart of the great shepherd. The same compassion that drove him to rescue you is still driving him to rescue others. His attention... I'm sorry, I know he loves your worship. We preach that because it's Bible. But his attention is consistently distracted by the shrill cries for help from everyone outside of this church sanctuary that is still lost. The sheep in the fold may be very unhappy with his constant preoccupation. But you will never change it because it was his mission. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. And when our pastor, who is an under-shepherd of the great shepherd, when he has the heart of this chief shepherd that Peter writes about, he will do the same thing. He will challenge us to do the same thing. If your pastoral team seems constantly focused on more, on reaching, on praying, 
on touching. You want to thank God for that. If they seem to constantly focus on reaching the lost to the exclusion of babysitting the saved, you need to thank God that you have a God-called pastoral team because that's the true heart of Jesus toward our lost world. Not to amass a little club and then enjoy the fruit of their labors, but to consistently and constantly reach. When you think about sheep... A butcher sees only meat. A clothes maker, they see only wool. A farmer sees only a place to sell some feed. And a wolf sees only the chance for a meal. But a shepherd sees a defenseless, vulnerable sheep, and that moves his heart. And the reason your shepherds, your pastors, they feel that way is they have been trained by the one who was wounded to save his people. So the wolves of this world don't really distract or terrorize your pastors. COVID-19 is not the be-all and end-all on which we make decisions. You may have trouble with that. Pastors get criticized from every side. There are literally people who don't come to services here because we're not strict enough. And there are many others who don't come to service here because we don't ignore the restrictions. And into the fray stands your pastor and this great team, and they try to lead us. Thank you for ignoring all the voices from every side and showing up and praying and supporting and worshiping. Your pastors wade into controversy and conflict. They grab their rod and their staff and they run after people who are lost. And they know that the wolves could tear them to shreds also. But the danger and the criticism never stops them. But occasionally what really grieves the heart of a pastor is they find themselves standing over a small dead sheep. And the tears stream down your pastor's face because that sheep always wandered even though the pastor kept after it. Even though he had rescued it many times from its own wandering. He did everything he possibly could, and yet here she is, this bloodied, lifeless lamb on the ground, exactly where he tried to keep her from going, and now lost forever, just a few hundred yards from the rest of the flock. That keeps pastors up at night. Because even after the best efforts of the shepherd, at the end of the day, sheep still have to make their own decisions. And so this is eternity we're talking about. I'm sorry to disturb your beautiful Sunday morning and this wonderful worship service, but I need to tell you that the word lost is much stronger in the Bible than it is in the dictionary. In Scripture, apolimai means destroyed, perished, marred, dead, ruined, killed.
it pictures eternal punishment in a place called hell. And in case you have a problem with me saying that, Jesus said it in all three of those stories in Luke 15. He used that word, apolymai, lost, destroyed, perished. So I need to ask you a question. It's the most important question you could consider any day of your life. And if you're watching online, I dare to ask you the question. Are you lost? Are you wandering in the world far from the Savior? If you're lost, please know something. He is looking for you, and we are looking for you. There is a way home. There is a way back. There is a pathway that leads from eternal destruction to everlasting life. Church family, CCC, I love you very much. It's an honor to preach to you today. Lost people matter to God. And so lost people must matter to us. That's why pastor's after us to pray. That's why pastor's after us to reach. That's why pastor's after us to ramp it up this year. Because lost people must matter to us. It's not just pastors who have been commissioned to reach for lost souls. It's everyone who has ever been found by the Savior. Either you are lost or you are engaged in reaching for the lost. Jesus said to his disciples, as my Father has sent me, so send I you. But Jesus, they persecuted you, yes. They tortured you, yes. They even killed you, Jesus, yes. As the Father has sent me, so send I you. That's not only a scripture verse, that was an old song they used to sing at missions conferences and people would be called to countries they'd never been. In some case, they didn't even speak the language yet. And that's who we are. That's the apostolic church born and built on the back of missionaries and pioneers and elders and preachers and pastors and great saints of God of all the ages and we've dispatched many of them to glory from this room and I thank God for everything but we can't have a history like that we can't possess a heritage like that we can't sit on a legacy like that and not ever be concerned about reaching the lost in our day. Mm. Would you pray just for a second? Almost done. Won't keep you long. I speak to an intercessor in this room not to pray for yourself but to pray for the lost right now. I release that gifting that is in you to be released in this service right now because it stirs.
What you feel in your spirit right now is conviction. That's the Lord saying, yes, this matters to me. 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 Say, but Jesus, Pastor Raymond, it's dangerous out there. Our culture doesn't even like morality anymore. Our culture is against godliness and even scripture anymore. That's why Jesus said, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. A lot of people today are harmful as a serpent. Their words cut, their attitude stinks, and they claim to represent the cross and the cause of Christ. Don't ever let that be said of us. We want to be wise and cunning as a serpent, but as harmless as a dove. Can you imagine how uncomfortable a sheep would be in the midst of wolves? But that's exactly where Jesus sends his church, out into the world, out into an antagonistic culture, out into countries and nations that are divided and fractured, out into crowds and mobs of people screaming hateful things at each other. And he said, I want you to go out there and somewhere in that mess, somewhere in that mob, somewhere in that sin, somewhere there's somebody who's lost. Oh, they're all lost, but it's just going to be one at a time that sees something's wrong with my life. Something doesn't feel right. There's got to be something more. I'm so tired of being strung out and hung over. There's got to be something better than this. And so Jesus sends us out into that mess, and he says, just like I came to seek and to save the lost, that's what I want you to do. I'm sorry, I can't see my notes. It's not familiar. It's not comfortable. I'm not even saying it's safe to go out there. But it is the great commission. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Not just the citizens who agree with your politics. Not just the groups that agree with your morality. Not just the people that think your opinion just got downloaded from heaven. Not the people that think every word you speak is right and truth. No, go reach every creature. Every creature. There's certainly a lot wrong in our world today. There are some mixed up situations and there's some messed up people. But church family, please hear me. I'll get out of your face just as soon as I can. But you can't antagonize and evangelize at the same time. It is impossible. 
You have your opinion. Nobody's bossing you around telling you what you have to do with your little family at this church. We let everybody make your own decision. But when it comes to reaching them, if you're expecting this pastor and this church to take some strident, ugly, angry opinion and get on some soapbox somewhere and offend three-quarters of our city, we're not doing it in Jesus' name. We're not doing it because of Jesus' name. We're not doing it for Jesus' name. We've got a city and a province and a nation to reach. So we'll have our opinions and boy do we have them. But we can't antagonize and evangelize at the same time. You can have outrage or you can have outreach. But you don't get to have both. Come on back to the music please. It was Jesus who told us to leave the 99 and look for the one. It was Jesus who said, keep looking until you find them. It was Jesus who said that one sinner repenting causes more excitement in heaven then every great service you can remember, every conference, every camp meeting all put together, just one person repenting. That would be the greatest accomplishment of our service this morning. Oh my goodness, I love this worship. It's so refreshing. I was so glad to be home this morning and standing over there and just feeling the worship of God's people to our great God. It was so, so exciting and such a blessing. But what happens in heaven is when one person in this service says, I'm just kind of sitting here among the stuff, Pastor Raymond. I'm just kind of hiding in the crowd. I'm really struggling. I'm really in trouble. My life's really a mess. I'm not all that I appear to be. My life's not all it seems to everybody else. But today I'm choosing. I'm leaving that behind. And I'm heading for Jesus. I'm leaving that behind. And I'm going to kneel at an old rugged cross and let his blood wash over my life and let his blood cleanse my sins. Heaven breaks out in holy pandemonium at that moment. Heaven just has a little bit of probably uncontrolled chaos at that moment. There's more joy in heaven. There's more rejoicing in heaven at one prayer. And I know what we do as Pentecostal. Well, yeah, but they're going to pray. But we still got to get them baptized. Oh, yes, we do. Of course we do. That's what Jesus told us to do. He said that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name beginning at Jerusalem. So, of course, we're going to tell them they need to repent. And we're going to tell them they need to get baptized. And he said, I'm going to send the promise of my Father upon you. So we're just going to do what Jesus said. And we're going to tell people that they get to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But wait a minute. Just stop the presses before any of that happens. If one person just decides, I'm going to turn my attention to God today and I'm going to ask him to forgive me and I'm going to head toward the arms of the shepherd heaven doesn't have to wait till you get the full meal deal heaven doesn't have to wait until they're a 50 year died in the wool saint of God with pedigree and history and family all in the church heaven doesn't need to wait for that heaven breaks in to the greatest praise you could ever imagine when one person just says Jesus I'm here and I need you 
and I don't know, it's very, very possible that that person is in this room today. But it's extremely likely that that person is watching online today. I'm done, and I I just need to pause for a moment. So if you'd help me by just praying for a second, and I'll I'll get out of here. But I, I just want you to pray out loud, intercessors, saints of God, people that have been rescued by the great shepherd, the chief shepherd, the good shepherd. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. say, well, Pastor Raymond, that's, that's okay, but that message didn't do much for me this morning. Should have. Isaiah said, all we, like sheep, have gone astray. Every one of us, all of us, 100%. We have turned everyone to his own way. But when nothing else could help, his love reached down and lifted us up. And the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. Somebody wrote the words years ago. There, but for the grace of God, go I. God didn't call you or commission you to judge. God didn't call you or commission you to criticize and rant about the world. God called you to reach as the Father hath sent me so send I you so thank you pastor for pushing us and challenging us and asking us to pray how dare he and asking us to reach how dare he and asking us to shake ourselves out of our little comfort zone who does he think he is he's a shepherd leading us under the guidance of the chief shepherd and this is the mission of this kingdom not to sit and be saved not to rejoice over our good fortune for the rest of our lives, but to let what Jesus has done for us motivate us to do the same for somebody else. Oh my goodness. Jason, thank you for reaching out for the homeless in our city. You keep right on. You keep right on. That's the face and the hands and the heart of Jesus, and I'm proud of you. My goodness. I'm a, I'm a mess. I'm sorry. 
would you lift up your hands? There's a call of God in this sanctuary for those that are redeemed, for those that are saved, for those that have this great blessed salvation. The call is, what are you going to do with that to impact somebody else? Because if eternity is as long as we say it is, and sin is as wrong as we say it is, and hell is as real as we say it is, then that weight rests on us today. And if you're the lost sheep today, we will not let this service go by nor end without saying to you or to you, you can be found. You can be changed. You can be saved. You can trade your shackles for freedom. You can change your rags for a royal garment. You can change your past for a great future because He's looking for you and we're looking for you. Church, I'd like you to pray. I'm not sure exactly where we're going, but we're going to finish up in just a minute. But I'd like you to lift up your voice and pray. And I just need to do one housekeeping thing. If you're watching online or if you're in this building and you don't know a thing about how to be saved or how to experience salvation, you call us, email us, put a note on Facebook and ask for our attention. We'll get back to you because there's nothing more important than this church. I ask you if you would just please pray. Just please pray. Just please pray. We'll spend time and get back to your request if you want to know Jesus. We really will. He's looking for you and we're looking for you. He's reaching for you and we're reaching for you. The Spirit is speaking right now. I wish you would just give vent to that. If you need to slip out, nobody's going to be offended, but we're going to spend a few minutes in prayer this morning. The altar's open. There are people already here. 
you can distance just as much up here as you can back there. We've got space at the sides. We've got space all around the front, down that side, in the aisles. If you'd like to come pray, thank you for hearing me out. Thank you for allowing me to express my heart today. Pastor said it the other day, the altar call is actually out there. But as for me, I'm not going to rush out of the presence of God this morning. It's not going to happen. Because Jesus is talking. Jesus is talking. Why don't we stand and that will make it a little bit easier. As you stand, would you let your hands and your voice, your heart and your words head straight to the heavens this morning. Thank you, church, for responding. Thank you, church, for responding. We got all kinds of room around the front here. You can come. You can be six feet apart. You can be eight feet apart. All down the sides, in the aisles. So te la papa torre papa le chiesa baja. So te papa la torre basiesa baja. Che poto la bala torre basiesa baja. Thank you, guys. We're good for music right now. We're not even going to try to soothe it with music. We're just going to have a little old-fashioned prayer meeting this morning. If you need to be dismissed, thank you for being with us this morning. We love you. We love you. We love you.